On this week's episode, we have a throwback with Lala Anthony. Ah, sucky, sucky, baby. We're going to Hollywood on Monday. Going to Hollywood. Yeah, Lala Anthony's going to be in the house. Yes, 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 yes. Ilyasa Shabazz in the house. Lala's going to talk about love the way it's never been talked about before. Lala was in her love, love playbook, baby. I want you. I want to tell y'all something. Even Mr. Right Side is taking some notes from the playbook. Because I'm going to tell you, Miss Lala is sharp, baby. Miss Lala is sharp. She tells it like it is. If you want your marriage to last, if you want your relationships to last, if you want to be better parents to your children, if you want to know how to make money and keep it and not be ripped off, La 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 is your place on Monday. And uh, and if that's not enough, Ilyasa Shabazz has written this book as an illustration of her father's life when he was a child. Little Malcolm talk about him in the garden and planting the garden and learning about the butterflies, learning about the value system, learn, learning about relationships. Uh, you just don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss what we got going on. You don't want to miss what we got going on. That's right. You got tonight. Tonight. Not tomorrow night, not yesterday night, tonight. Where? There's only one place you can find it. Serious one, Tim. Where? On the Armstrong Williams Show. You got that? Hotel, baby. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Armstrong Williams Show. Thank you so much for joining us. You know, Lala Anthony uh, has written a new book, The Love Playbook, Rules for Love, Sex, and Happiness. You know, I have a rule when we're interviewing authors. I don't have the author on unless I've read the book from cover to cover. And it's okay. really important in this instance because I, I think um, the book is very um, insightful because it's a book that sh- I think all books should feed the public. And this is certainly something that this book does. You know, I'm really interested in, uh, Miss Anthony, you're discussing um, your father and your stepfather, the lessons that you learned from both, and right. and talk about that discipline the rules and how sometimes you don't appreciate discipline and structure when you're young, but in the later years, it bears just tremendous fruit for your life. Definitely. That was a big topic in the book because, you know, I know that's something that a lot of kids and and people go through, you know, dealing with step parents. And I think when you're younger, you don't appreciate the fact of someone coming into your life and trying to help guide you who is not, you know, your real father or real mother. And you kind of always, throw them shade or, you know, make them feel bad about it. And I really did give my stepfather a hard, hard time to the point that him and my mom actually ended up divorcing. But it was later on in life that I realized he was really just trying to show me the right way. But because I just felt like you're not my dad, you're not in a position to tell me these things, I really gave him a hard time. But later on in life, I definitely valued and appreciated all that, you know, he taught me. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, he knew that even though we don't talk often at all. Explain in more and greater detail. On this show, we don't, you don't, we don't engage in sound bites. We really like for our author, I guess, to really talk because there's a lot of substance, not just what was written in this book, but there was so much that was left that could have been said. And, and, and I want you to delve deeper into daddy will be the first relationship you have with a man. It will shape every relationship you have with every man who comes after. 
Yeah, it's very true. You know, for a woman, your father is your first relationship with a man. And you can tell when a woman has a strong relationship with her father or when she doesn't or lacking some things, which is why we go to men for, you know, attention, for self-esteem, to feel like we're whole, to feel like, you know, we're worth something. Because these are things we were probably lacking growing up from our fathers who might not have been around, might have been too busy or whatever the case is. But your relationship with your father growing up is your first relationship with a man that'll shape, you know, how you view men how you feel men should treat you and also watching how your dad treats your mom was is is very influential on how you feel like women should be treated but in spite of all the great lessons that you can learn from your father and your stepfather still in real life you still have to navigate it and sometimes these lessons are not lost but just bear it especially when you talked about your first love where you lost your virginity with Doug um, when you attended Howard University talk about that yeah I mean you know for me I actually waited longer than most people did you know I was already in college and yeah, you know, looking back, it was it was to fill, you know, a void. Um, my dad traveled a lot, so, you know, he wasn't always around. And Doug was an older guy, so I felt like, you know, in a sense, he was guiding me and taking the place of my dad, not in a weird sense, but in a sense of kind of telling me what to do and, and guiding me. And in the end, it became dysfunctional because it became a very controlling relationship. So, um, again, that goes back to the earlier point that, you know, I was missing something from my father and I looked to a man to try to fill that void for me. But you made a very interesting insight in that chapter when you said your advice, and it may not be for everyone, is that you should never look for love in, a, in, in an older man. It's just to you, you're looking for a father figure, and you said there's something that's just not right about that. Yeah, I agree, because it's for all the wrong reasons, and, and that's what I say. And honestly, overall, I say you shouldn't look for love. You shouldn't look to be loved by a man, which really, if you have read the book, you know the general tone of the book is about loving yourself first, and that's so important to me for young women and young girls out there because so many of us want to look to a man to validate us, to make us feel whole. If we're not in a relationship, we're not happy. If we're having problems in our relationship, our whole day is ruined because there's a lack of self-love there, and that's really what women need to focus on because when you love yourself, you'll be surprised how you just attract things into the universe and that is something that my dad really feels strong about and told me is about you know attracting the right energy in the universe it's, it's about what you put out and men can tell when you're strong and you're happy and, and you're grounded and men can tell when you're weak and you're looking for them for the wrong reasons and they'll take advantage of that you you also make clear that people confuse what love is Yes, definitely. And I and I and I did that in the beginning, you know, even talking about the Doug relationship. I thought because he loved me, he was controlling me. I thought I I equated control with love. And looking back now, that's not love. So a lot of times, you know, even women in abusive relationship, I go, you know, talk to women in abusive relationships. I have friends who have been in and out of abusive relationships. And it's like, no, he didn't do that um, for any other reason than he loved me or he loves me. That's why he gets so angry at me. That's why he yells at me. That's why he hits me. He just wants the best for me. And you do confuse this dysfunction with love. And we talk about that in the book as well. You know, I, I'm fast forwarding to the book and you will notice that I will always come back to the beginning, the middle and the end. I thought something was very poignant in your book 
uh, and I look for little things. And I'm Armstrong Williams. This is the Armstrong Williams Show. Lala Anthony with Karen Hunter. Her book, The Love Playbook, Rules for Love, Sex, and Happiness. She's our exclusive guest. You talked about, and what I got from this, the self-worth, the self-esteem, the value you felt when you purchased your first home. Yes, yes, because I felt like I was doing something for me. That was something that's mine that no one could take from me. And it was such a sense of accomplishment to work so hard and be able to do something like that. And to this day, I still actually have that home in L.A. And and it's mine. And yes, I'm in a great marriage. And, you know, my husband's amazing. But it's just something great about having something that is mine because you just never know. It's always good to have, you know, something to fall back on and something to come into a relationship with that's yours. And that's very important. That's why I say, you know, being independent is important. And not everybody is meant to, you know, run a big company or be this, you know, CEO. But you can be independent in different ways, having a hobby, having, you know, something to add to the relationship and not being defined by the man, which is something that I speak a lot about in the book as well. And just an an ongoing message that I want to continue to drill, especially into young women out there. If I may digress and read from your book, my buying this house was all about me accomplishing something that I wanted to do for a very long time. It was a place I could call my own that I can take full responsibility for. It was also an investment. Yes. Yes, absolutely an investment because now that same home has almost doubled in value. So it's something, again, that I have that's mine. And it's 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 just a sense within yourself. It's mine. I did this on my own. No one can take this from me. It really is just something that makes you feel fulfilled within yourself. At least that's what, you know, it was for me. But you also show that you're more than just a face on MTV. You're more than just someone's husband and someone's mother, someone's daughter. You're also a, you're, it really shows that you were an entrepreneur, a businesswoman before you realized that's what you were. Yeah. <laughs> now that you say it like that, I, I guess so. Yeah, you're right. It, it showed some of those qualities before I was even paying attention to that. And, you know, I just, I grew up, how I grew up was just that I never wanted to ask anyone for anything. It really bothered me to ever feel like I had to ask anyone for anything. So when people say, you know, what has fueled me to work this hard and, you know, make it this far in the entertainment business, it's because I never wanted to ask anyone for anything. If I wanted something, I wanted to be able to get it on my own. If I couldn't get it, I wanted it to be because I could could not, you know, get it at that time. And that was really important to me. So that kind of drove me through being successful and staying on the grind and not giving up at times where I felt like, you know, I was in, in over my head on some things. Now, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going back to your Doug experience and Howard University. Here you are. This beautiful envelope shows up at your doorstep. You're going through a tough time. It has this beautiful gold seal on it. It's from uh, Washington, D.C., Howard University. You had just been rewarded an academic scholarship. You had been visiting other schools with your family, and you decided Howard. But you also had this this crush on Doug. He attended your high school graduation. Your mother realized something was going on, and she started giving you this warning eye because it made her very uncomfortable that you were going to college for the wrong reasons. But still, still, you got the scholarship. You attended. And you say, and I don't agree with you, actually. I know these are your words. You say, I didn't need the education in the first place. 
Yeah, I did say that. You know, I think for me, it was because you have to take it in the context it was said. It was because I was already working at a radio station. I had a full time job there and the education I was going for was for communication. So I felt like I didn't need the education because I had the hands on experience already by working there. Now, looking back, of course, there's so many other things you pick up from a college experience. But it just shows at that time, you know, my mindset and what I was thinking about at the time, because I'm like, you know what, I'm already I'm already on the radio what do i need to go to school for this for but is that the message you want to send to young people that may read your book and say well look, i'm gonna just i'm gonna drop out of college that's why lala didn't look at how she ended up look at how successful she is it's not necessarily the message that I, I want to send, but at the same time, Armstrong, I want people to feel like they're not a failure if they didn't go the college route. Nowadays, there are a lot of non-traditional routes. So do I preach college? Yes, I think it's a great thing. Have I seen people do amazing things with their life who did not go to college? Yes, I have as well. And not everyone is offered the opportunities or the abilities to be able to go to college. I still want them to feel like they can accomplish something and, and be great whether or not they have a college education. But I had to challenge you. I know you did. <laughs> okay. And I had to come back. Listen, so I, got, <laughs> I, you know what? I love reading from your book because I think you tell some great stories and it's, you feel as if you're almost there. So I want to read something else from your book I, I, that you said men need to feel like the man and you can yes. do that. Stroke his ego. Yes. Put him on a pedestal verbally. But I found that men are also intrigued when you're doing your own thing and are confident in your life. It is literally... A magician's trick I'm telling you to perform. But while you're making him feel like a king, you must be the queen. Don't worry about what he's up to and what he's doing. You need to spend more time working on yourself. Talk about that. Well, you know, see, there's a thing as being too independent. And a lot of my friends are exactly that. You're so independent. You're on a date. You want to pay every bill. I don't need you. I got my own job. I got my own money. That is not necessarily the most attractive thing to a man. You got to walk a fine line. A man wants to feel like he can do something for you. He's bringing something in the relationship. You can't wear the pants and everything. I mean, I have friends who when their husbands or boyfriends are talking, they don't even let them finish the sentence. They're like, no, no, this is what this is what he's trying to say. That is not attractive to a man. You have to make him feel like he's worth something as well. So I'm very independent. I have my own. But at the same time, I make my husband feel like, you know, he is the man in the relationship and I know when to kind of take a back seat to him. And that is a very fine line. And it took a while for me to figure that out as well. But in time, I was able to find, you know, that balance. Something else you said, um, and I, I really want young women to really listen to this as I read and listen to Mrs. Miss Anthony respond. I don't run uh, Melo's phone, check his mm-hmm. te- text messages and emails or spy on him. If I have to do that, then we don't have much of a relationship. My doing that would also say a lot about me. I cannot control the thing he does. But by being fulfilled in myself and in my own space, I can control what I do. So if he does mess up like that, I may be hurt, but my world won't what? And talk about it. My world won't end. You know, I, I've, I'm happy within myself. I love my husband. Of course, I want to grow old with him. But I also know what my my morals and values are and what I will and won't put up with. And everybody's threshold is different. But as soon as you feel like you got to start cracking codes and, and spying and looking through stuff, the relationship is over because there's obviously trust issues there that are causing you to want to and feel like you have to do that. And, and I'm not saying I never did it when I was younger. You know, we were... 
the queens of figuring out how to get into somebody's phones and stuff. But through those experiences, I learned that it's it, it's not the right thing because what happens is when you search for things and you find them, and my mom always says, what are you going to do then? So you found out he's cheating on you. All right, and then what? Are you prepared to leave? Are you prepared to go? And if you're not, then he's just calling your bluff and he won't take you seriously. So unless you're ready to find something and make a move after that, I don't even suggest you play that game. The Love Playbook, Rules for Love, Sex and Happiness, Lala Anthony. A back, more from the book. I know some people that are more concerned about their wedding and how it looks. The whole Brazilla thing is real, driving people crazy over the dumbest things. Some women and men really do lose sight of what it's all about. If your wedding sucks, you can still have a great marriage and you can have a perfect wedding and a disaster of a marriage. You're talking about marriage and what marriage is about. And it's more than just a day. It's a lifetime commitment. Talk about that as a wife. It definitely is because nowadays people are so caught up in the materialistic of everything, the materialistic side, what kind of glasses we drink out of, what kind of food we ate. You want to have this big wedding with all these people who, again, I quote my mom because I get everything from my mom. Like my mom says, half of those people just want to come to see what you're doing. They're not happy for you. They don't care about your marriage surviving. They're not going to be there for you when you're in your down times. They just want to see, oh, they had steak, but they didn't have lobster. They didn't have this. They didn't have that. All that stuff is irrelevant and not important it's the core of the marriage and I've seen people go to a courthouse with the two of them and a witness and have happier longer lasting relationships than multi-million dollar weddings that I've been to that had all the bells and whistles but the heart of what it, what it should be wasn't wasn't there one of the things that you learn early on and I don't think people know this about you and as much as I researched and Google this is the one thing I really respected about your stepfather. He taught you the importance of reading books, of being substantive, of being prepared. And even though you didn't like it, you found that you were eons ahead of your peers in the classroom. You felt you had something very special. Um, you were academically gifted. Talk about for young girls and young boys growing up how important, because I'm sure you're doing the same with your son to, be, to, to to read, to learn, to grow, not just listen to television and radio and music, but you need to feed the soul with something else. I, I definitely agree. And I didn't I didn't like it growing up. My son at times, even though he's six, he doesn't necessarily love it sometimes. But it is important. And nowadays, you know, it's more to life than just. You know, reality shows and, and, and the TV that we watch, you know, there's so many great things to learn from just reading a book and becoming very knowledgeable. And I love that I can have this kind of in-depth conversation with you and, and feel comfortable with the words I'm choosing, the way I'm talking, because I, I am educated from reading and learning things. And I don't know, it's just it's a quiet time for yourself to kind of get away from the noise and just allow some great, you know, material in your head. So that's how I look at reading, especially on planes now, since I travel a lot. It's just kind of takes me away from everything else that's going on and I can zone out for a minute and we all need to kind of quiet the noise sometimes. Now Layla Anthony really gives an insightful and provocative perspective on love and life and happiness in this particular passage in her book and I think I really want her to really really delve into this real deep because we oftentimes read stories about this and the devastating results. I made the mistake of making Doug my entire center. I totally depended on him for my social life. I never made friends at school, and I really didn't have a life outside of him. 
I made friends with his friends and his friends, girlfriends, and the jocks at the radio station who I'm still cool with today. In fact, his best girl, best friend's girlfriend at the time is still one of my best friends. But it was a mistake for me not to have my own friends. And at the same time, to alienate the people who love me. It was a big mistake because I didn't have my own support system, a shoulder to cry on when things went south. These were his people. Guys like Doug love it when a girl doesn't have friends and family around her. It allows them to get away with just about what? Anything. Talk about it. Um, You know, it's true because... The thing is, I alienated anyone who didn't think the relationship was good for me. So my friends and family, you know, they knew better and they knew it was bad and they would give me their opinion. But anyone who didn't agree with what I was doing, I kind of just distanced myself from and and cut them off in a sense. Because at that point, you don't want to hear what anybody has to say. But you have to have a balance of opinions and know that people are coming from a place of love when they when they give you opinions that you might not want to hear. So by having only his friends, I was being fed Aside from the person that's still one of my best friends who's actually here with me today. Um, aside from her, I was just being fed what he wanted me to hear, what he was telling them to tell me. So my perspective was completely one-sided. And, and you can't make any great decisions by just hearing one perspective. Listen, obviously, you and I could go on until tomorrow with this interview. You can tell I loved your book. I congratulate you for oh, writing thank it. Thank you. But your final comments. My final comment is at the end of the day, all the rules and regulations and the love playbook really boils down to loving yourself. And that's what's most important. And that's why I wanted to write this book. And it it really touches me because I want to be a voice for young women out there to understand you are enough and you don't have to look for a man to validate you, to make you feel whole. And that's really what the entire tone of this book is about. So if anybody can walk away with that. I will feel like this was an accomplishment. Well, you know, I hope one day, and I probably know it won't happen, that we can really have you back because you and I can really have fun. Young yeah, young definitely. people need to hear you, but I would love to have you live. But listen, I am very grateful. I'm, it's a blessing that the Lord has put this upon you to write this book. You know, we get a lot of junk and garbage out there, but this is a true moral guide to how to have the best life and relationships in your career as a mother and a wife. And we really appreciate you writing this and being a part of our broadcast today. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, and you have a great day, and I appreciate talking to you this morning. Our pleasure. All right, Lala Anthony, and I'm Armstrong Williams. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. 